1: And I have the amazing, incredible opportunity to talk to some of the coolest leaders from all walks of life and all over the world. Today, I'm really fortunate to welcome my VIP guest, Rob O'Brien. And with Rob, I have a little history because I got to see this man do his magic. So let me share a little bit about Rob and his background, and then I want to talk a little bit about what I have learned, why I have been very excited to have this conversation for nearly one and a half years. So Rob O'Brien, along with his two brothers, Bill and Paul, founded Floyd's Barbershop in 1999. Today there are over 125 barbershops nationwide. The three brothers brothers pioneered the modern day barbershop focused on export cuts and amplified experience. And that's the part that is very important is creating the total experience when you walk in with an anticipation, when you sit in, sit on the chair with an anticipation, when you leave the chair and you leave the shop <coughs> feeling good about yourself, the whole thing has been embodied into Floyd's Barbershop. And over the last few years, in my personal interactions with Rob, what I've really hit home and I've learned a lot is his vision, but more importantly, how he connects the vision to make the brand stronger, but also helps an outside partner like me or core corporate team members or even members in the shop connect and get that. And a bigger thing, what I loved was anytime I have had an incredible experience about a stylist in one of the shops, Rob would smile by saying, oh, it's Carol at the Broadway show. Store. I know her and Rob knows. And that level of caring really told me I really need to talk to this man. So Rob, sorry for the prolonged, extra long introduction. Had to say that, my friend. Welcome to see Chris Big. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So Rob, to start with, I want to again congratulate you on an incredible career and it's still blossoming. So what got you into the hair care
2: industry? A series of uh, uh, bad, of a series of mistakes, I guess. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, um, you know, I, honestly, it, it's it's a bit of a story where my brothers and I, uh, I feel like we're pretty entrepreneurial. We were pretty wouldn't call ourselves that to start with we just felt like we were hard workers and we had a pretty good idea and we started a business here in Denver and that led to other stuff it's a concessions food business and over the western United States and we grew that pretty large and realized that uh, you know at the time it was a limited business we didn't I I like to say we didn't really own it because we worked for major league baseball teams and stuff like that and no matter how good we got or how big we got we were really beholden to them renewing our contracts and Basically, they provide electricity and we provide everything else, all our food and products and stuff like that. And we just realized we were really exposed that, um, you know, we just didn't really own our our future because the it was out of our hands. So we, we wanted to do something else. We learned a lot in that business entrepreneurially, like we created our own brands within the stadiums and arenas. Um, you know, like if some, you know, stadium would say, we want some frozen lemonade. And I'd say, okay, how about we do it? And they'd say, okay. And I said, how about we call it squishy and build a logo and a brand? It was pretty cool. But we just didn't see the future um, of building wealth, maybe. But it just, we didn't feel like we owned anything. It was, they were buying goodwill, they were buying the job that we did. But I didn't feel like we had value where I couldn't turn around and sell that business to Arjun because the team we we're working with might not like you. Right. And then so there was no value created there. And we'd worked really hard. And so we decided we wanted to get in something else. And being in the food service, we just kind of thought we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to try and do a restaurant or something. We couldn't figure out, like, we knew why people come to get our products at the baseball stadiums. They're coming to watch the teams, but we didn't feel like we weren't chefs. I was making lemonade and cotton candy. I like to joke. My first original business was a fresh squeezed lemonade stand, something that an eight-year-old could do, right? Mm -hmm. We just got to do it. It's all about location. We got to do it in the right locations. And then the, uh, um, so, you know, we just got together and felt like we weren't getting out of our business, what we were hoping to, and there were just outside market forces. They're just too volatile for us to control, like baseball strikes and things like that. We're about to maybe have another one. So, um, we decided we wanted to do something else and we started looking at some other concepts, but the one thing that had interested me about hair, um, you know, early on, we thought we kind of discussed What else would we do if food's out? If bars are out, we didn't want to do bars. Our last name's O'Brien. For crying out loud, if you, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're all in or all out with a bar. Um, so, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot we, with our skill set that we felt that we were really comfortable to do. We weren't tech guys. We were not a lot of other things. But with the with the hair business, what we recognized, you know, when you looked at my brother Paul and my myself, the differences that we were having was, um, you know, he would go out. He would get his haircut from, you know, fancy schmancy place. He has great hair, by the way, he still has great hair. I not so much, um, but he would go out and, you know, make his appointment two or three weeks ahead of time, spend $40, $50 back in the day and go make it to his appointments. And where I would go, uh, if I went to those places, like it didn't fit me because I didn't feel like I was valued at those places. I didn't feel like they were, the, I was the kind of client they wanted. And um, also the... So I was the guy who would, you know, get up on a Saturday morning and run out, find two and a half hour waits at the what I like to call the super fantastic, great cost clipper cuts with sports. Mm-hmm. I'd run around to those, you know, value places and try and get in. And they they be, you know, they might have 11, 12 stations there, but they don't have two or three people working. And the person behind the chair was the person also running the front desk. And you know, I, I just felt like I couldn't get in. So I also didn't feel. And then if you did get in, you felt like you were getting rushed and you were just a number and it, you just weren't uh, valued. You know, they didn't really value your business. So that was really the impetus. It was just kind of seeing what was out there and just felt there was a huge gap. You know, look, we didn't think of it this way at the time, but looking back on it, you know, with the advent of your Chipotle's and your kind of fast casual restaurants, I feel like that's the kind of space we're in where we're not fast food. We're not McDonald's but we're not uh, uh, Del Frisco's either, right? So there was just felt like they were, looking back now, there was no middle ground. And so mm-hmm. we filled that niche really good. I don't think we did it intentionally, but that's where it landed. It turns out people were p- paying, willing to pay a little bit more for a haircut if they felt they were getting valued and people cared about them.
1: You know, one of the things I try to do in conversations is try to lock on a word that you are emphasizing and you have used the word value nearly 20-25 times from creating a value, but the statement I really like is you guys wanted to create a business where the client feels valued and what was ironic is the value brands are the places where the client doesn't feel valued. So I really think that the way we use the value in the business side, when we are on this side of the business versus when a client walks in, I really think that there was this big value gap. So what were some of the things that you thought about to start, like when you guys look at the origin of Floyds, why Floyds, why the name Floyds? What were some of the unique things about making the Floyds difference so you guys create the Chipotle of haircuts?
2: Well, I would say that, you know, just in particular, the name is interesting when the name, when we we decided that what our angle was going to be is kind of old school barbershop, but in a modern way. And really that, that was in the first, very first conversation, what we would call it. Mm-hmm. We would call it Floyd's. And the reason why we we just all, you know, Bill or Rob's or Paul's barbershop, just, no, you know, we're three partners. No one's going to get that, mm-hmm. but we wanted an old school name. Mm-hmm. And there was no old school name better than Floyd's. It's a pretty cool name, um, mm-hmm. and it's uh, you know really harkens back to Mayberry with uh, mm-hmm. Annie Griffith, where like, and I use my age. I'm 55 now, unfortunately, but I use my age as the uh, the 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 barrier line, like. People, if someone goes, oh, did you get that from Andy Griffith? I go, you're my age or older, right? Like almost nobody younger gets that reference Mm -hmm. to Floyd the Barber on there now. Mm -hmm. um, So that was kind of like, it. I'd like to say we did focus groups and market research and all this other thing. We just want an old school name. That was the working title and we just stuck with it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so that's really the, the genesis of the name. It suited us well.
1: Absolutely. And then how did you all decide the uniqueness of Floyd's Barbershop, like what would it be the differences, enhancements like the to make it better and make the client feel valued? Well, I think one thing that we always
2: talk about in Floyd's is our vibe that we have, and mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to explain. And the, the vibe happened accidentally, I, I would say, because, and, and by good fortune, and when you think you have something that is a negative thing that when you look back, it turns out really positive. So we're Floyd's 99 because we were incorporated in 99. Now, if we had opened a barbershop in, in 99, which actually didn't open until 2001, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But the we're a very music themed barbershop. I uh, think Hard Rock Cafe meets haircutting. We have a radio station that plays in all this, um, all the it's our own private radio station that plays all the music at the same time in all the shops. It's really good. It's great eclectic mix. Um, everything from you know, the Beatles to Beyonce. And there's uh but that tie-in didn't happen in 99 that that tie-in happened because in 99 we couldn't get anybody to lease us a space we had a great idea fantastic idea we thought of what this place was going to be didn't know what's going to look like just kind of like it's going to be an old school barbershop with the new modern touches but over that time where we were out explaining to people we felt we needed to be on main and main we mm-hmm. wanted great drive-by traffic we, and we couldn't get people to lease us a space they were either like That's a dying business we're not going to give you that real estate you won't be able to afford it you can't have that corner we need it for something else or um they would say we'd try to explain what it was and i guess what we were saying made it sound like we were just have a bunch of kids hanging out and like it was just going to be a hangout spot and wasn't that either so we couldn't explain it but finally through hard work with my brother paul he was able to negotiate us main and main corner 11th and broadway where we started just wonderful, everybody driving home from work, pass it, get that head turned, like what's going on in there? And if you haven't been in our shops, it's full of poster walls also. But that was luck in retrospect, right? Because if we had opened in 99, it took maybe a year and a half to where my brother Bill kind of put it all together about what it was going to look and feel like. And it that created some of the magic. Because when you walk into a voyage, you really can feel, and I think, Arjun, you go, you can feel something's happening, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's words can't express it. And I would tell people after we opened them for years, I'd to try to explain what it was, and they kind of look with a blank face and be like, oh, okay. But then immediately they walk in and they would assume it's a feeling and they get it right away. They, mm-hmm. everything I explained to them made sense after they they did that. And the magic happens by having happy customers and have, happy uh employees, right? And like just having the buzz of
1: what's going on. And you know, to me, I think you're being very modest by talking about a lot of this happened. By chance, but you know, at the same time, I really feel that so many different elements to connect. You're looking at a total new ambience which customers were not used to before. Now you have added music to it, and of course, you're doing a different, better cut, but you're still keeping the heritage of a barbershop. You talked about you know, Bill was behind the design. Like, was there anything else where you guys had a vision for a total experience where all these things were fitting or you guys believed in yourself and it was your gut that you ran with it and you built it? It
2: was really just a gut feeling. And we just felt like, you know, we were lucky in the fact that it didn't have to be successful, the first one, Mm -hmm. um, because we we did have the other business and, you know, but I will tell you that when we had the idea, we weren't thinking we're going to open one. We, mm-hmm. uh, we thought, we thought this was going to be so great. You know, I don't know if it's uh, narcissism or megomania, but we thought we were before we opened one. we thought this was going to be so successful, right. We just felt what well, we had it. And, you know, it's been said when I hear other people explain our company, um, they say one of the things that made us so successful is that we, we had, we didn't know anything about, we weren't from the industry, mm-hmm. right. So maybe we didn't practice industry norms. Like, um, you know, our, our relaxed dress code, we got our, you know, it was back in the, you know, this is back in 2000. So tattoos weren't really the thing, but we never had our people hide the tattoos. You know, they're artists, they want to look and feel the way they want to be comfortable coming to work. And that helped us retain, get and retain really good people because we weren't telling everybody they had to be in referee shirts or they had to have long black shirts or they had to dress. We just let them be themselves. And that was a magical thing that I think our clients glommed on to really quickly that they really enjoyed that too. And still to to this day, it's really, it's one of those things we don't we, you know, I just I asked you
1: to look nice. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you what to wear. Mm -hmm. And And I, you know, that's the thing that personally hit me when I first went to Floyd's the first few times was I was not used to stylists not wearing a uniform because I was always used to nearly everybody wears at least an outer gown, which looks the same. It is just like a McDonald's or a Taco Bell, which again, think for a second, the moment you start conforming, which means you are guiding them force towards conforming, but each one of us are different. And this is something my incredible 27 year daughter and daughters can always do That is keeps reminding me, dad, your left and right eyebrows are not even the same. Like, We take pride in being different, and I just felt and hit home. And to me, I think it took me a few visits to go through. So now, Rob, I just want to go a little different direction is how do you like when I talk to you about the story of Carol at Broadway, how I had the best haircut ever. And for everybody else, I just need to share the story is I walk in, Carol greets me with a smile. And then I asked her the conversation, the question is, Carol, how long have you worked here? And why do you work? What gets you excited? And she said, Arjun, I make Colorado beautiful. I'm like, maybe I asked the wrong question. Like I asked, I didn't ask about the weather. she said, no, Arjun, I make Colorado beautiful because every person, as Carol said, when they leave my chair, they go outside feeling good about themselves and that makes Colorado beautiful. And, all of a sudden, I realized that I am here to have a haircut from the Michael Jordan or the LeBron James or the Stephen Curry of haircuts. Okay, Halfway through, she looks at this part of my hair by saying, oh, this part of your hair is little rebel. It always likes to stand out. But today I have tamed it. And it's, you know, you have no clue. I was 47, 48 that time. Like for a 47-year-old man to discover a little bit about the rebel side, which I never knew, which is my forefront, like a, you know, rhinosaurus horn. And then towards the end, she said, Arjun, also, I also have to show this to you. Towards the back, you have a little dimple. It's really cute. I have covered it beautifully. And she showed me. Like within haircuts, professionally, if there was love at first sight and search stops here. That's where it happened. I had to call my wife, but I felt the magic ended there. But what was bizarre when I talked to you about Carol, you right away knew and there was a smile on your face and you were not surprised that I found her. So this is a very personal question to you. How do you get to know and care about all the cool people and not just one Carol? How do you do that? And what's the success like we all can get learn from you?
2: Well, I think just naturally, I'm a, I'm a good conversationalist, you know. So uh, I, I'm very lucky that we have so many. Co- I live in Colorado, and we have so many of our shops over here in, in our home state of Colorado. So I get to get out there and see there. But when I when I go out to the shops, I I talk to people and I try and get to know them, and I'm interested, and we celebrate their anniversaries, and um, so it, it's really no secret more than to to go out and talk to them, and I can, you know generally, if I have a great conversation with someone and then I hear other people, like what I'll do too, is that like, I'll find good people, people that I really like. And then I'll find, like, I get really upset if people I really like leave and I I get invested in that. I try not to hurt my feelings a little bit, but, you know, I I think it's the secret is it's management by walking around, right? Like, you know, it'd be easy. We have a corporate office here to be easy to hang out in the office all day. and, And, uh, feel, feel like that's the most important thing, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing are the frontline people that are actually doing the haircut. So for me, it's about um, just, you have to make an effort to try and get to know your people.
1: I love that. And the two nuggets you gave me are priceless. One is the secret is management by walking around. And second is, I think you said it unconsciously, but that came from deep inside that you get hurt when a person you care about leaves the organization. I really think that's hurt is, I think that means to be hurt, that means you have a deep connection. I really am fortunate you shared that. So, Narav, just looking back a little bit on the journey from 1999 or 2001, what has been some of the biggest successes in the, you know, in the industry as you have gone through that you can reflect on?
2: I don't know. I feel like we're just getting started all the time and all this real successes are in front of us. Um, I, I take very great pride that we haven't changed culturally as a company that we care about our people. And that's the most important thing. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, I don't look at the number of shops we've opened as I think that's not like something that drives me as being super successful because that's not the important part. The important part is, you know, are you doing it well? Are you doing a good job? And just like a lot of small businesses, we, we probably got over our skis a little bit back in 2015, 2016 and lost sight of that. Opening the shops, that became like the easy part. The hard part is managing the shops. It's what happens inside the four walls, you know, that if the further you get away and the further you get away from that touches that you lose some of that magic. So we had to pause a little bit trying to figure out how we get that, you know, to maintain that feeling, that family feeling, and make sure that you know we do have some franchise units out there. About a third of our shops are franchises, and it's not about just going to sell franchises. Those <laughs> people have to be a good fit. We have to know that they're going to treat their employees with the same values that we have, and that their employees are going to have the same experience working for that Floyd's barbershops as they do working for ours. That's the most important part because the first question, Arden, as you would know, someone comes in there and they've never been to Floyd's before. They they go, "How do you like working here?" Mm-hmm. Well. You can have twenty people on the floor, and if they all say they hate working here and they're out of here, people are not coming back. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to make it a genuine feeling. And you know, for us, it's about maintaining who we are as people, who we are as a company, what we care about, what, how we treat each other, uh, kindness, uh, empathy. Um, you know, it's just just understanding where the money's made, really, and it's made behind that chair every twenty minutes, every twenty five minutes.
1: I love that. Understand where the money is made. And in the chair every 25 minutes. And to me, this is like only other time I've heard a line like this is in an interview. I wasn't of course there when Southwest Airlines talks about we only make money when a plane is in air, not when it's on the ground. I really think it's brilliant. So Rob, now taking a step back, visualize you are talking to 1000 future founders. So you guys have gone through some tough times, you have figured it out. So what is your few pieces of advice to future founders on what they should or shouldn't do in their journey forward?
2: Well, I would say not, you're gonna make mistakes, right? You, everything's not gonna be perfect. So for me, it's not about overreacting one time or another. But you know, our, as you might, as you might understand, in my position, I I tend to get a lot of ideas from people that tell me they're a great idea that they're going to do. Unfortunately, so many times people never do those ideas. Mm -hmm. They never take the first step and really are brave enough to make it happen. And maybe that's because it's not the right thing for them. Um, But I feel like just trying and learning is a big deal. You know, Um, it's, uh, and for me, I try and, I really try to, when I hear about things happening all the time, it's like week, month or year, right? Is this gonna be a problem in a week? Is this gonna be a problem in a month? Or is this gonna be a problem in a year? If it's not gonna be a problem in a week, I don't lose one minute sleep of it. If it's gonna be a problem in a year, that's when I go, okay, we have to do something about this, you know? So um, I, future founders is like, you just don't have, you don't have to be
1: perfect. You're going to learn. That great advice. So now, Rob, let's change the subject a little bit and go to something very random. If you walk into a bar and you all of a sudden see two people who look somewhat familiar, one is a 16-year-old Rob sitting there and also a 100 year Rob, and they just greet you, you guys hug. What would be the conversation that day between you today, you Rob, 16, and you 100?
2: I would tell the 16-year-old, what are you doing in a bar right now? (laughs) I'm not surprised. That's exactly where I expect to find you. Mm-hmm. but that's why you're not ever going to open a bar why don't you go with barber shops
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh 16 year old me i would say you know from a looking back standpoint mm-hmm. um i would say you know congratulations you know um you you really were able to use your creativity side your creative side and and you're look i wasn't a good student so looking at 16 year old me you wouldn't think that i was able to be part of something like this you know I had a lot of a lot of um success to my family brothers and stuff. Um, but I would say it's going to be okay, right? Like follow your own path, work hard, um, make some sacrifices along the way, but you're going to be okay. You're smart enough. And you you're, you've, you've proven that and good job. Mm-hmm. And a uh, hundred year old me would, I would probably say, um, um, uh, if I had to put it in terms of a regret, just, okay, why didn't you slow down a little more and think about more about having a family
1: or something and, along those lines? Love that. Absolutely. So this is really fascinating. Truly appreciate the conversation. Anything else you want to share? Or do you have any questions for me? Because it's only fair you answered every question. So if you have anything for me, I would love to answer. Well, can I, can I do a little promo for you?
2: Absolutely. So we hired Arjun. Uh, I had never met him, probably about four years ago, to do to serve to do a real extensive survey uh, on our clientele. And what we learned from that was just invaluable. He said at the beginning, we're amplified uh, uh, expert cuts, amplified service, and that really came from the research he did. And what I would tell you is, from our marketing dollars and everything we're doing, we we spent a lot of time people telling people what we thought we were, and you know, we used to tell say we're the original rock and roll rock and roll barbershop, barbershop for men and women, old school new styles, all these things we spent money saying, we tell them that. And guess what? They all knew it. They all knew we were telling them that. It's just they didn't care. That's not why they were coming to see us. They were coming to see us because we were the experts in cutting hair. And so from that moment, we've changed all of our uh, our talking points to re- reflect that. And I, I would say that the amount of information you get from using Argent is just it's just, it's, it's, it's great for me because you find out so much, so many insights and for us mostly the news is good. So selfishly, I love that stuff. It, it'd be probably a different story if it was really bad news, but I,
1: I just think it's, uh, it's very invaluable. So I think the promotion needs to go on both sides because I really feel that when somebody like me, we go to excavate and investigate the information is always there. And sometimes when you find the information, it's not the challenge is not the information finding. The challenge is the readiness of the internal team to open up their eyes and embrace it because it's okay to have hypotheses. But if the client talks and your team members talk and you're not going to listen to it, I really think it does not work. And that's the part where I really feel from day one, you and Mary, especially in the team, as you guys listened with the openness and humility to clients, and when we hypothesize together, I really feel that that's the part where if I can give an advice to any brand, talking to any partner outside is be like Rob, and Mary in two areas. One, be open to listen. And secondly, treat the vendor Arjun like a partner, because trust me, when you love your vendor and treat them as partners, they will go above and beyond. And that's the part where with Mary, I'm very fortunate. So I'm sorry, this is becoming a love fest, but truly appreciated <laughs> in that particular place. So any other thoughts you have, you want to share, or you have any questions? um
2: what do we do next (laughs) just kidding I'm just saying no the thoughts I have is uh you know it's so many people I think so many people feel like they have these barriers in front of them that they don't try to do what they want to do and Mm -hmm. I'll admit to you right here right now on this podcast I didn't graduate from high school Mm -hmm. you know and I didn't know what I was going to do, but fell in the, you know, just worked hard. But the, the best thing about that is that you don't need to, right? Like you, you can, you can make it from wherever you're at, if you have desire and, and, and you're patient and you, to me, I think what's really made us successful is just, I wouldn't, it, it, integrity might be the right word, but just, you know, always siding on the, on the compassion side and, and empathetic side. And, and trying to not put yourself last, right? Just trusting that, you know, if you do, like the, the the money is not important, but it is the scorecard, right? If you're doing a good job, you should be profitable. And I would say that just, it's about sacrifice, but it's about believing in yourself and, and having good people around you. And if you can be, uh,
1: if you have two great brothers to be partners with, that won't hurt. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a great place to wrap the conversation because sometimes, especially for, those who are listening and who are younger, we sometimes pay, to pay too much emphasis on the journey that it has to be on this path. We have to go to this particular college or in the corporate world, I have to start working with these companies, work for this consult. You know, to me, I really think, the journey is, of course, teaches you, and don't get me wrong, but I really think what you said matters is who you are, your true character, your true values and self-belief. Because if you have that, then any path you choose, you'll come out as a winner. And I really love the fact that you put that bigger advice because I think that would be a huge value to those listening. Again, Rob, this is truly a personal pleasure and honor to have this conversation with, with you. And thank you for sharing. Well,
2: thank- we the, the honor is mine. And thank you for asking. I truly appreciate it. Thank you again. Thank you, Arjun.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.